0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topics, more on Marco, Mara, and the final part of my interview with Dr. Bill Gallus on the Iowa derecho event of August 10. Sit back and relax and enjoy today's Daily Bolt. So uh, this will be a very full episode. There is a lot to talk about. Uh, Tropic wise and otherwise. So we're going to jump right in and start talking about Marco, which is a nominal hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 75 miles an hour. And it is located in the uh, central Gulf of Mexico, roughly due south of Mobile, Alabama at uh, 7pm Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday. Actually, 7 p.m. Central Daylight Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, sorry about that. And it is uh, continuing to move to the northwest at this particular hour, uh, roughly about 13 miles per hour. It is in the process of making a turn towards the north-northwest. Uh and will continue on that track until it intercepts the southeastern Louisiana coast. Uh, somewhere uh, <clears throat> not too far from New Orleans, but not right on top of New Orleans either. Uh, New Orleans will be spared a, a direct hit from this particular storm, but it will still be very close to uh, the center of the storm. And tropical storm warnings are still out. Uh, at this particular speed and on the current track it should intercept the southeastern Louisiana coast sometime late tomorrow afternoon or very early tomorrow evening and the best track actually keeps Marco relatively close to the Louisiana coastline throughout uh, the following 24 hours eventually tracking into uh, East uh, Texas, Southeast Texas, uh, and uh, eventually dissipating uh, past Tropical Depression stage sometime uh, after uh, the early afternoon on Wednesday. It will weaken very quickly. Uh, There is a chance for a uh, brief period of intensification yet for Marco, maybe about another 12 hours, but it has been holding fairly steady at this intensity a good chunk of the afternoon today. Uh, major intensification for Marco is not likely, though it will probably come ashore in southeastern Louisiana tomorrow afternoon uh, as a Category 1 hurricane. So there will still be significant storm surge effects into uh, the Gulf Coast, uh, into Greater New Orleans, which is why the, and the tropical storm warning is up as well as the fact that tropical storm force winds will very likely be felt in the New Orleans metropolitan area. Uh, <clears throat> that's it for Marco for right now. We move on to Mara next. Mara, as mentioned yesterday, is quite a bit farther east. Of Marco, and it's going to take a, a fair bit longer to get to the central Gulf Coast, though the central Gulf Coast still appears to be the likely area for Lara to make landfall. Again, southeast Texas, the Louisiana coast, uh, somewhere, but not until the uh, late afternoon hours on Wednesday or the early evening hours. So, again, it's about a two day lag between Marco's landfall. And Lara's landfall within the same general uh, vicinity. Uh, and Currently, uh, Mara has gained a little bit of strength today. It is still a tropical storm. Maximum sustained winds are 60 miles per hour at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It is basically uh, very near the southeast coast of Cuba, and its track shift has shifted a little bit southward over the past 24 hours so that it will closely parallel the south coast of Cuba rather than going straight over the terrain. Uh, That uh, basically uh, comprises the spine of the Cuban island. And will emerge... Uh, early morning Tuesday out into the Gulf of Mexico and begin to strengthen significantly after that point, particularly after Tuesday afternoon. Uh, The current forecast projections for Mara are for it to actually become significantly stronger than Marco is right now and probably will be on landfall. Uh, Forecasts for Mara, which will will basically uh, get to enjoy an environment with less wind shear Marco is having to deal with right now, uh, take Lara to a Category 2 hurricane before landfall on Wednesday late afternoon, uh, early evening. And so, as I mentioned yesterday, we have a long period of prolonged uh, tropical weather for the central Gulf Coast to deal with, especially the Louisiana coastline. Uh, Storm surge is going to last in the central Gulf Coast region for some time, Uh, and and that will be a problem that will continue uh, for several days uh, before the water uh, totally subsides back down to its normal level, Uh, and particularly with Laura being a stronger hurricane uh, in, in particular. We will keep you posted on both of these storms. Uh, Tomorrow's Daily bolt, I will try to have a bit earlier in the day before Marco makes landfall to give you an update on that. Uh, And now for the remainder of this podcast, uh, we go back for the last section of my interview with Dr. Bill Gallus on the August 10th Iowa derecho event. And we'll just, without further ado, start on that right now plus mile per hour uh, a narrower uh, band of, of 80 plus mile per hour and so they they don't claim that Ames had more than like I guess 79 mile per hour winds uh, and these intermittent 100 plus areas and there's Tama County over here on the right uh, Marshalltown uh, Boone is right there so
1: uh, right I of I found this interesting, Judge. Just real quick, I wanted to add, you know, so my son lives in a small town south of Ames. It's right in that green swath of intermittent 100 miles per hour. Okay. He finally got power back yesterday afternoon after nine days, and in that that path, many roofs were blown off of houses. So the damage does look like from a major tornado down there, but he said, you know, when he got up into Ames, the south part of the city, he's thinking, oh, it didn't look very bad at all, but when he got to my house, which is at the very north edge of the city... He was commenting, you know, we had a street light a few blocks from us that was uh, blown down on the ground. It was bent ninety degree angle, one foot above the ground. Wow! Uh, speed limit sign was snapped off. The metal snapped at the base, and the damage was much worse. So, you know, that that basically the eighty degree line or eighty mile per hour line there is kind of across the north side of the city. Um, this is. You know, there's no weather instruments. I have a a friend, another meteorology professor has a weather station. I said, well, how high did the winds get at your house? 14 miles per hour because the power failed, you know, three minutes (laughs) before the winds really hit. So there's no data in a lot of these areas. So this is an estimate, Yeah. but I, I would say the general concept is correct, that the original swath missed Ames to the south. But where there's, you know, fuzziness, we're not sure, is where did the next swath start? And I would bring probably that blue area down more into the north half of the city.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, this is preliminary, so I expect this will get revised considerably before it's all said and done. Okay, so last thing I wanted to ask you, and this is a comment that you've made to me, and I'm going to just get rid of some of the other stuff that's on the screen so that – not in the way. Uh, So you've made comments to me about uh, what you feel is an inadequate approach by uh, the weather service currently to uh, really do do proper justice warnings for these types of events. Uh, I was wondering if you'd like to just talk a little bit about why you feel that way and what you think might be
1: a good uh, approach to change the warning system. Sure. Uh, you know, the National Weather Service did make some changes years ago that the, the Weather Service offices can put um, more specific values of wind in the morning. So the, you know, the standard is severe thunderstorm warning, 60 mile an hour winds expected. So, at, you know, and that's what I think was first being issued on this storm. Then it was getting closer to Ames. They said 70. And then as it was hitting, they upped it to 80. But the average person doesn't read all the lines in there. They only see severe thunderstorm warning, and it's one size fits all. You know, in 1999, when the F5 tornado was approaching uh, the Oklahoma City metro area, you know, the Weather Service office there realized this is unlike an ordinary tornado. We've got to do something. And so they, they created, for the first time ever, probably against the rules, a tornado emergency. Well, once they did that, That's has stuck with us because people could really see the value. And so someone after this event said, you know, there should be a severe thunderstorm emergency type statement In fact, one of the memes going around on social media here in Iowa, about five to 10 years ago, many cities decided to start blowing the tornado sirens for severe thunderstorms that had winds over 70 miles an hour. And most people, including me, thought this is absolutely stupid. Uh, you know, now you don't know the difference between a tornado. Whenever they do this, I instantly get lots of text messages from friends. <laughs> Is there a tornado? Is there a tornado? No, it's just the wind. But the meme basically says something to the effect of, um, it's stupid to blow the sirens for just a severe thunderstorm. And then it's signed, said no when ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people said blowing the sirens actually caught their attention plus you know it's just getting very dark and it was such a murky morning i think the sirens blowing was for people became sort of this trigger wow something is really different about this event that's going to happen but it it should be in the warning so many warnings get issued because one spot might hit 58 miles per hour and so the average person sitting in a certain morning maybe sees 30 to 40 mile an hour winds maybe not any hail And it just seems like I could have continued walking with my umbrella and probably been fine. You know, this event's covering counties and you could die if you're outside. Um, So yeah, I think they really should, you know, use what happened with tornadoes since we already have a tornado emergency. Why not do the same for severe thunderstorms um, that are basically part of a derecho? There were enough storm reports coming in from the West with measurements above 70 and even above 80 that you know, I think it would have been pretty obvious that okay, this is this one means business.
0: Well, maybe this event will be the impetus, just like the F five was in Oklahoma City, to change the system in a way that's positive and has benefits without uh, adding to, uh, I guess, what I, what I would call warning fatigue, as, as you, you kind of described before. <laughs>
1: right um yeah you know i the, the weird thing in this whole event too is when i think about how little advanced notice there was like the day before we all go to bed thinking it wasn't going to have anything any rain even on that day it's a it's a miracle that there weren't more people killed or seriously injured i, I can't even explain it because i know most people don't really take severe thunderstorm warnings seriously and, and this one, you know, I, I some of the people in Norman at Severe Storms Lab were asking me specific questions as they try to create guidelines to judge wind speed from trees being blown down. And I realized I think eighty percent of the houses in my neighborhood, if somebody was outside, they could have died because uh, the size of the branches or the entire trees that were coming down meant you know there was great potential for a lot of loss of life or serious injury. And I think there's only four, four deaths that we know about so far. Um, there were many, there were hundreds of injuries, I know, in the Cedar Rapids hospitals, but most were from the cleanup process, which, if you've ever experienced a hurricane, I think that's pretty normal there, too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's about all I have. Uh, do you have any final comments, um, or uh, we can, can we wrap this up for this extended uh, Daily Bolt interview with probably part
1: three? Um, right, Right you know again i think the only thing i would point out is that this one shows that we still are definitely not perfect in meteorology that you know i just learned yesterday there's a very famous bike trail in central iowa that's very popular and people were on the trail when this hit and 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 that was pretty much passing through that hundred mile per hour swat south of my town and they ended up sheltering in a bathroom complex that is near one town and, and, and the person specifically when they mentioned this said, I did look at radar and I did look at the weather forecast before I left. And I thought about it, they would have been hit about 10.30 in the morning. At 8.30 in the morning, there was no severe thunderstorm watch in Iowa. That's the right. one that was in fact implied it was going to go across Northern Iowa if you just based it on the shape of the watch. You know, and on radar, you would have said, oh, there's a storm out in Northeast Nebraska, but it's probably gonna miss us. Um, so you just, I would you know tell your your viewers you know, just you have to be careful. You know, things like this can actually happen. If it was me that morning, I think if I had gone out on my bike, I would have been looking at my phone constantly because, in the back of my mind, I would have thought there's a chance this thing might, you know, come down further south and it could be bad.
0: And while you're looking at your phone, you're running into pedestrians. <laughs> right, and I would probably,
1: yeah, so I would be injured for a different reason. <laughs> do not look at your phone while
0: you're in your bike. No, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Bill. I really appreciate it. I hope that the listeners and viewers will get a lot out of this, and maybe we'll have you on again sometime in the future, maybe to talk about something else that's not happening in your backyard.
1: (laughs) Right. I would say, please don't bring another disaster here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, watch out for that ammonia and the raccoons.
1: Yeah. Well, I think they've stayed away, but that might be because they all get killed by falling trees now. (laughs) Oh,
0: well, well, no, poor raccoons. Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, so uh, that pretty much brings the interview to a close. Uh, We will go back to more uh, more serial topics, even though we've added them on in the last couple days because of Marco and Mara. Uh, But in the future, we probably will do some more interviews about uh, some events or other things going on scientifically that are worth hearing from the horse's mouth itself. Uh, For today, uh, August 23, this is Dr. Jeff Tilley for The Daily Bolt. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, and stay safe.